Hello and welcome everybody to the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. Really excited to be back on the show with you guys. Uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, and as a reminder to those who have tuned into the previous two episodes, this show is called The Three-Point Threat because each time I will be covering three points relating to the Utah Jazz or the NBA as a whole. And I have a really special show in store for you guys today. I'm really excited about it. For point one, I'm going to be sitting down with a current member of the Utah Jazz Summer League team. He played for the Adelaide 36ers last year. Nathan Sobey is going to be joining me over the phone uh, for point number one. For points two and three, uh, my purpleandblues.com colleague Ryan Aston is going to join the show live. Really excited to have him on board for the first time. For point number two, uh, we're going to be discussing our reactions to the Jazz draft as well as our expectations for the Summer League. And then for point number three, um, Ryan and I are going to be going over free agency as a whole, really. Looking at the Jazz free agents, looking at free agents around the league. Obviously, a lot of crazy things happened yesterday, so we'll be chiming in on that. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Point number one is an interview with Nathan Sobey. Point one. I'm happy to announce that I have a special guest joining me over the phone. Uh, He is currently on the Utah Jazz Summer League roster. Last year, he was the Australian National Basketball League's most improved player while playing for the Adelaide 36ers. I'm pleased to welcome uh, Nathan Sobey, or, or Sobes, to the show. Uh, how are you doing today, Sobes? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, first and foremost, I want to thank you so much for being willing to visit with me. I'm honored to have you on the show to answer some questions. I know that Jazz fans are going to be really excited to hear from you with Summer League just around the corner. So let's just jump right in, if that's right with you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yep. So, uh, first question I had for you, um, you know, you recently worked out at the Utah Jazz free agent minicamp. Uh, tell me what that was like. What was the experience like for you doing that? Yeah, it was a great experience for me. Obviously, this is my first time doing the, the camps and the, the summer league, so um, it's been a great experience. And um, to get to get, go to that camp with the Jazz was uh it was it was great. I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but um, yeah, coming out of it, I'm I'm pleased with the way it went. And I'm glad to be back to to do the summer league with the Jazz. Now, were the Jazz the only team you worked out with, or were there others as well? No, I worked out with uh, Brooklyn Jazz, Minnesota, and uh, the Clippers. Okay, very cool. Was there any particular reason why you ended up on the Jazz summer league team? Were they just impressed with you, or did you choose them? How did that process kind of go down? Um, I think. I, I, I liked my time while I was here um, at the camp and enjoyed playing with the guys that were here and, and thought the coaching staff and all the people were really friendly and nice and all that sort of stuff. So it, it was a decision that I was, it was easy to make that I wanted to, to play with the Jazz in the Summer League. That's cool. So you kind of touched on a little bit, but I guess, you know, along with the things you already mentioned, what impressed you the most about the Jazz? Uh, mainly just the... The organization as a whole, just um, welcoming uh, the people that came in from the camp and uh, and uh, just the way they, the, it was all ran and, and stuff like that. It was really, it was really pleasing to see, and it, it was a main decision on why I came, wanted to come back and play here for the summer league. That's awesome. Now, tell me, Sobs, what is what is kind of the main thing that you hope to show or to prove in summer league? What do you think are kind of the best things you can bring to the team? Uh, I'm just really like if like to enjoy the experience obviously like I said it's the first time I'm doing it so um to to get that experience and see what it's like and uh to play in two summer leagues in Utah and in uh, Las Vegas which is which is even better so um yeah mainly just the experience and I get to compete with these guys on a daily basis with practice and that lead up to the um to the summer league um games so yeah that'll be the main points 
That's awesome. Yeah, I bet the practices are going to be really cool. I mean, the game's obviously be the, the coolest, but even just getting to be in the grind with those guys every day doing that, I bet that's really exciting. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's that. Like like I said just before, just to compete with them on a daily basis and uh, and work on your skills and all that sort of stuff. So it, it's great. So you know, last year, um, as I mentioned earlier, you were the NBL's most improved player. Uh, tell me about your time with the Thirty Sixers and especially this past season. How has it shaped you as a player? Uh, yeah, being with Thirty Sixes has been um, amazing. Like obviously, my coaching back in Australia has been uh, great to me and just let me develop my game and play at the same time. And uh, yeah, he's he's really developed my game from where from where I was uh, two years before when I come out or three years before when I came out of college. So it's been great over in Adelaide, and I love the place. And um, my fiance and I have loved living there the last two years. So yeah, it's been a great place. That's awesome. That's excellent. So, you know, obviously the, the Jazz have a couple of guys on their roster from Australia, uh, Joe Ingles and Dante Exum. Do you have any sort of relationship with those guys? Have you talked to them at all? Uh, well, I'm practicing with Dante at the moment, but I, awesome. I've, I've met Joe and stuff uh, before he came and trained with us in Adelaide a couple of years ago in the preseason, so it was good to um, compete against him, and uh, he's, he's a, they're both very, very cool people. That's cool. What does it mean to you to get to play alongside Exum in the Utah Jazz Summer League? Yeah, it'll be awesome. I mean, he's obviously played in the league for a few years now, and um, he's a well-known player, so to learn some stuff from him and uh, play alongside him will be great. That's cool. Yeah, I think that Jazz fans are excited to see his improvement and having you guys together. I think there'll be some cool chemistry there. That's awesome. Um, how excited are you also? Um, obviously, it was announced that Mitch Creek, your, your teammate with the 36ers, is going to be on the Summer League too. And then I believe uh, Coach Joey Wright's going to be on the bench as well. Are you excited to get to play with those guys again? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just makes it a, a whole lot easier coming in here and having some, some guys you know and uh, being able to just relax and, and, and play your game and um, have them by his side and stuff. So, yeah, it is a great feeling. Um, so then switching gears here just a little bit, you know, for the listeners that don't know, you know, you played at, at University of Wyoming in, in college. And, uh, you know, for uh-huh. me personally, my, my parents both went to University of Wyoming. I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado. We would make that drive up 287 every game to go and watch the Pokes. So I uh, followed you and your college career. So I'm excited personally as a Wyoming fan and as a Jazz fan to, to be watching in the summer league. Uh, but tell me a little bit about your time at University of Wyoming. What was it like with, with Larry Shiat, with Larry Nance? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, Wyoming was great. Uh, we we had we had some successful uh, years. The two years I was there, and um, I played alongside some some pretty cool, some pretty uh, good players, but also some some good friends of mine now. And uh, obviously, a couple of well, one of them's in the league um, for the Lakers now, and a, a few others are playing pro in other places around the world. So uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that sort of. Uh, those sort of players come out of the, uh, Wyoming and still be playing today as professionals and stuff like that. And um, obviously, Coach Shy and Coach Shy's son and Coach Edwards and Coach Duncan—they were great, uh, awesome people, and I still talk to them um, a lot and uh, have good relationships with them. That's great. Yeah. Now, obviously, Larry Shyatt is with the Dallas Mavericks, which is pretty cool. And um, I know I heard that Josh Adams is going to be working out with them. So kind of cool to have you guys all throughout the league still. And, yeah, and Coach yeah. Duncan's at the Phoenix Suns yep. as well. So That's awesome. Yeah, so you, you everyone's still, spread out and they're doing well, so it's good. Yeah, you still keep in touch with all of them pretty well then, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I was I just caught up with Larry and Josh uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was in L.A., so that was awesome. And then I uh, spoke to both co on the phone uh, about a week ago. Very cool. 
All right, well, one last question for you, Sobes, and then I'll let you go. Um, just kind of wanted to see if you could pick your favorite or your most memorable moment of your entire basketball career, you know, be it in college, be it with the 36ers, whatever it is, what's kind of been your, your best basketball moment of your career? Uh, probably winning the championship with my hometown, um, where I grew up with some of my best friends and stuff like that. That would be my biggest highlight so far. That's awesome. Well, hopefully, hopefully there's even more big highlights to come in the future, right? <laughs> for sure. I hope so. That's great. Cool. That's all I had for you today. Um, Sobs, you know, I really appreciate you joining the show. Um, I can't tell you enough how much it means to me that you take the time to do it. Uh, I know that Jazz Nation is excited to see you play in the coming weeks and, and wish you the best of luck um, in the summer league. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yep, no problem. Point two. All right, well, that was uh, point number one, the interview with Nathan Sobey. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. Uh, now we'll be moving on to point number two, and I have my purpleandblues.com colleague, Ryan Aston here joining me. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, pleasure to have you here. And for point number two, we are going to talk about our reactions to the Utah Jazz draft, as well as our expectations for the upcoming summer league. Uh, so let's just start right away here. Uh, tell me, Ryan, what were your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell trade? Um, I, so I was ecstatic that they got Mitchell. But this is kind of a, this is a little bit of a tangent, but the fact that they've traded a number twelve pick and another first round pick for a guy at the end of the lottery, uh, I don't know. If he, uh, Dennis Lindsay's been great, right? We all like Dennis Lindsay, yeah. um, but I think we have to call balls and strikes. And in twenty fifteen, when they're on the clock at twelve, like they need shooting. You think Devin Booker's the guy? And they don't go with Booker, they go with Lyles, and here they are two years later trading him. So uh, from that side of it, it's a little distressing. But just looking at Mitchell specifically as a player, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, last week I actually mentioned that Mitchell was one of the guys I was hoping they'd trade up for, if they did. And the fact they got him I thought was great. I also, kind of like you alluded to, I mentioned last time that I hope they didn't give up on Lyles this soon. So I kind of feel like we may never know how good he could have been yeah. in a Jazz uniform. Um, but as, as far as I'm getting Mitchell, I was excited about that. I think he does have some things he brings to the table that will be great. Um, really athletic. He, he's got a clean shot. Um, great defender. Um, did you see that video that was going up on Twitter with, like, with the shot? Yeah. yeah. When they say, this is what scouts say when, when a guy shoots an easy ball. And, I mean, he has a lot of those things that you'd look for that make yep. you optimistic. Yeah, so. I, I kind of I, I wouldn't ever want to burden him with like this comp but i see him as kind of like a steve francis like Dwayne wade type player potentially maybe not to the level of those guys but but he can be that kind of guy i feel like yeah no i agree and one thing that i think a lot of reason why why jazz fans are so excited is is because he's excited to be here and that is important i'd love to see that don't get me wrong um, I do think fans need to be a little careful, though, and not like put too much stock into that. Yeah, exactly. Because if having a player be excited to come to Utah was the only trait we're looking for, you and I might be suiting up for the Jazz. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. um, but, I mean, it is good to see it. It's really positive. Um, you know, I recently compared it to, in one of my articles, that when Trey Lyles got drafted, like, he looked indifferent. He looked kind of disappointed. Yeah. And Mitchell was the total opposite. So I think that that was really good to see. Um, I do think fans need to pump the brakes a little bit too about how good they think he's going to be this year. Yeah, I mean, he's still a rookie. He's still going to be he raw. Um, the potential's there, but just got to be careful about how good he's really going to be. Yeah, and, and I mean, really, how many minutes is he even going to play? Yeah, I mean, we have Rubio at the point now. He might get time there. Uh, Rodney Hood, maybe Joe Ingles coming back. Like, it's not going to be this one 
hit instant wonder kind of thing with with Mitchell. Like yeah, it's gonna take some time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd love to see him play well in summer league. We'll talk about that a little more later. But like I said, it's gonna be a process. Um, what about Tony Bradley? What was your take on that trade? That one, it that one. I, someone tweeted it took the bloggers by surprise, and yeah. I totally fell into that. Like he was not on my radar at all. Tony Jones actually, a couple days before the draft, had mentioned it, and and he kind of knew the Jazz were high on him and they liked him and. And some of the analytical guys liked him quite a bit. I know Kevin Pelton had him pretty high on, on his kind of statistical stuff, and ESPN liked him. Um, he has that 7-6 wingspan, and, and those guys are, I mean, I love those guys. Yeah. Um, and, and at 28, like, you're not going to get a sure thing kind of guy. I mean, he has the physical attributes that you'd want to see and he has the potential so I, that's good for the end of the first round I feel like yeah no I agree I, I would really echo what you said it, it surprised me more than anything especially that we gave up two picks to move up only two spots yeah uh, for me the biggest positive though was that um, if the reports are true um, supposedly the Spurs had him on their radar and we did the trade just to leapfrog the Spurs that were picking next and if that's the case, they have a pretty good track record with picking. They do. So if that really was the case, then I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I think he's a good yeah. rebounder. Like you said, his measurables are good. Um, he could turn into something special, especially, you know, developing under Rudy Gobert. Um, maybe he takes Jeff Withy's minutes sooner rather than later. I mean, assuming Withy's yeah. even well, back or not. But yeah. I mean, I love Withy as much as anyone, but yeah. that's not a long-term solution. Exactly. Uh-huh. So... I think Bradley's a big question mark. I think you'd agree that hopefully he pans out, but it was surprising, and we'll see what happens yeah. there. Yeah. What about uh, Nigel uh, Williams-Goss in the second round? What was your thoughts on him? I think that's awesome, especially with the two-way contracts coming into play. Yep, definitely. Um, I, I watched him quite a bit because my family's all BYU people. Yeah. <laughs> my in-laws, I should say. My family has it right. But There you go. Got to make sure make that distinction. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, I like him. I like his attitude. I liked him. Um, they didn't really do the introductory press conference, but but the things he said, kind of in the little media thing they did, I like him. I think it's a good pick. That's great. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a long shot for him to make the roster. Uh, you look at last year where the Jazz had four point guards and they drafted two in the second yeah. round that, that never played in the Jazz uniform. But I think he has a lot of cool things. I think the John Stockton connection is cool there. Um, so we'll see. It, it'll be cool to see how he pans out. Um, I guess wrapping up the draft, if you had to give the Jazz a grade, what would you give the Jazz's grade on their draft? I'll give them a B plus, but but the thing is, we all want to grade the draft, but no one knows. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we could say something totally different three years from now, True five enough. years from now. Yeah, I, I'd say I'll go ahead. And what about you? I'd say um, similar. I was thinking B plus A minus. I think the Donovan Mitchell was one of my favorite guys they could have moved up to get. Um, the other ones are kind of question marks. Um, personally, before the draft, I kind of hoped they'd use the picks to bring in another player. Um, I mean, they, yeah. did, they did get Rubio yesterday, so I guess that kind of satisfied that. But I did think they are going to make a bigger splash that way. But we'll see. I think there's some more moves in the works still. I guess on the, the bright side, you've got these guys on rookie contracts, and yep. it's going to help you go out and get someone. Yeah, that's true. So I guess kind of along the same lines here, what about Summer League? What do you expect from these picks at Summer League? I think Mitchell's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, it's it just in that setting, I feel like he should have a good performance, um, especially defensively, um, against some of these guys that aren't going to be in the league, you know, a month from now. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be really good. Bradley, I just don't know what to expect. I, I'm sure he'll rebound, he'll defend. And if he does that, I think that's great. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would love to see Mitchell dominate. One thing I worry about is I think that, you know, he's really amped up how excited he's played for the Jazz. He may try to do too much, almost. I mean, maybe. Yeah, that, that's um, true. But I, I still think he plays well. It may be something where maybe in Salt Lake he struggles a little bit, and then in Vegas he really gets going, kind of like Ball and Boy did last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Ball and Boy was, was scary in Salt Lake, but then in Vegas he really turned it up. Um, Bradley, obviously, and, and Williams-Goss, they need some some polishing, but I think they're going to do well. Um I don't know. I'm optimistic for all three of them, I guess I should say. You know who I'm really excited about in Summer League is Tyrone Wallace. Yeah. Um, you have this guy, 6'6", he has a 6'9 wingspan. Um, I, I think he could be an NBA player. Yeah. Um, he played pretty well for the Stars. The jump shot's still a problem. I mean, this is a guy, if he had gone into the draft after his junior year, he's probably a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He hangs around, and, and Jalen Brown comes in, and Ivan Rabb comes in. And he fades a little bit to the background, but but I think athletically he's awesome, and I really want to see him kind of seize the moment and maybe challenge for a spot at the end of the roster or one of these two way deals. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's kind of interesting how he just kind of surpassed um, Marcus Page as well. Yeah, I mean, just kind of Page became an afterthought because Wallace played so much better yeah. with the Stars. Um, anyway. Um, be moving past the draft picks, what about Ball and Boy and Exum? What are you kind of hoping to see out of them? Exum should definitely dominate. I mean, yeah. we talked about after he was drafted, he should go in. Maybe he'd struggle as a rookie once the regular season came, but he should dominate Summer League, and he didn't. And then he had the the one good game the next year, and then he was injured. So I, I really feel like he needs to, to show up and show that he's the NBA player on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been there before, and, and he should go out there, and he should really dominate on both ends. Yeah, I agree. I almost would say he, he needs to play well. Like, he, he just has to. Um, obviously, we haven't been in the offseason that long, but he's got to show that he's improved already. He, he's got to show that you know he's living up to that, that uh, challenge that Quinn yeah. Snyder and Dennis Lindsay gave him. Um, he'll still have a lot of time to get better from here, but I think Jazz fans really expect him to do well. He's only going to play in three games, so he's got to show it then. Yeah, he's uh, it's kind of a make-or-break year for him, isn't yep. it? Yeah, definitely. And I almost feel like, I mean, we want him to do well, the fans want him to do well, uh, but more importantly, like I want him to go out there and get his confidence up and believe in himself. Yeah. Because when he plays confident, I feel like, I mean, we saw it in that last game against the Warriors. He had some moments where it was like, whoa, I mean, where's this been? Obviously on the bench behind Shelvin <laughs> some yeah. of the year. Oh, but I my. mean... Um, Where's his band? Where's that confidence? So if he can show that, I'd be really excited about him. Yeah, and he should have it. I mean, he's been there before, and yeah. it should be there for sure. Yeah, and then Ball and Boy, you know, I kind of mentioned him a little bit too. That I thought he looked really good in Vegas Summer League last year. Yeah, um, showed some good moments with the Stars. Um, the biggest difference for me between Exum and Ball and Boy is, I mean, if Ball and Boy goes out there and doesn't play well, or if he ends up being a bust, I mean, he was a late second rounder. It's yeah. kind of expected. Um, so he's going to have nearly as much pressure as Exum because if Exum ends up being a bust, that, that really hurts us. We use a lottery pick on him. You yep. know? So. Well, what I really want to see from Ball and Boy is that outside shot. He showed it with yeah. the stars a little bit. Um, but, but if he could knock that down consistently and if he's able to get it off quickly, um, I think that's going to be the difference in him kind of getting a rotation spot versus spending most of the year in the D-League again. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, I think that kind of the thought a lot of fans have had is, well, can Ball and Boy contribute next year? Can he be a better part of the team? We, we'll probably get a good feel for that, you know, this this coming week. So, um, last of all, you already talked about Tyrone Wallace. Anybody else here particularly excited to see in Summer League for the Jazz, or for anybody, I guess? I'm kind of excited to see the Aussies. Yeah. Um, you watch their clips from NBL play, and, and the Creek looks like, I mean, he looks like a cross between AK and... 
Gerald Wallace, but I, I want to see how he does in this setting with, with these players against a higher level of competition. I mean, I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to make the roster, mm-hmm. and maybe he's not an NBA guy at all. Yeah. But I, I'm curious to see how they play, him and Sobe. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, Sobe, who we, we talked to earlier in the show. Um, also, Creek. Uh, you know, some people have kind of said he might be the next Joe Ingles type. Yeah. <laughs> kind of coming out of, you know, relative. He's relatively unknown, and then he makes it. Uh, me, personally, I, I don't believe he'll make it in the league, but uh, Spencer Butterfield, who played at Utah State and was on the summer league team last year. He's I'm a shooter. A, yeah, I'm excited to see him play again. So, it's it's fun. You know, I always love those kind of rags to riches stories that they start in summer league and sometimes guys make it. Would love to see that happen again. So. For sure. But okay, cool. That's going to wrap it up for you know our, our point two, talking about our reactions to the draft as well as uh, the summer league. Let's move on now to point three. Uh, look at free agency. Point three. All right, and we are back now for point three. Uh, we're going to do a look ahead to free agency. Obviously, that started at midnight last night. Um, Want to talk about each Utah Jazz free agent. Uh, our thoughts and predictions there, uh, including also the Ricky Rubio trade that's kind of related to all the things the Jazz are going to be doing in free agency. Um, and then last of all, look around the league, it, it, other good free agents and some news going on. Uh, so, Ryan, you know, tell me, let's kind of combine them into one group. What do you think of Jeff Withy and Shelvin Mack? Obviously, they're free agents. Are we going to see them next year? No. Yeah. They're done. Yep. <laughs> and uh, isn't it crazy with Shelvin Mack? Like, you make this deal for him, and the point guard had been not great to that point. And instantly he's the starter and he's doing all these things and the fans are loving him. And, like, just over a year later, like, no one wants him to come back. Yep. I think he was okay as a backup. Like, I don't know what you're expecting from your backup point guard, but no, he's he's gone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that um, it's interesting now to see that, you know, we traded for Mac. And really, he kind of lasted one year. I know he played last year, but kind of his yeah. hype and his upside lasted about a year. And then now Hill's going to be gone, probably. And it's just kind of this revolving circle of point guards. And I agree. I think they're both gone. Um, I agree with you, too, that I think I liked Mac more than the average Jazz fan. Yeah. Like, I mean, for what he was, I thought he was fine. Uh, I didn't like that he was always ahead of Exum, but I don't think he was as bad as Jazz fans made him out No, to I mean, and you get him for a second-round pick. Exactly. I mean, and he came cheap, and... He did what he was asked to. Maybe fans didn't love that Quinn Snyder kind of relied on him a little more than Exum, but yeah. I mean, he, he was a role player. He did what he was asked to do. Yep. Yeah. So I guess we both agree they'll both be gone. Uh, what about Joe Ingles? What's your take on him? Well, if this fifteen million dollar a year stuff is true, like I think he's 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 out of our he, he's uh, I don't know. Like honestly. I think a guy that can shoot the three like that and defend is probably worth $15 million a year. Yeah. But I just, if that's true, I just don't see the Jazz paying it. Yeah, I mean, that offer is going to be really steep. I know that, like, Tony Jones with Salt Lake Trib said um, that fans shouldn't lose sleep about Joe Ingles coming back next year and that, obviously, with, with trading for Rubio, we have some more financial flexibility. Yeah. But, I don't know, that's a high price tag for him, I agree. Um, if I had to predict, I do think he's going to come back one way or the other. I just hope it doesn't totally kill us financially to do it. Yeah, and, and I do remember, maybe it was David Locke that said a few weeks ago that, that Dennis Lindsay has pretty much carte blanche to go into the luxury tax if he has to Yep. for a good team. And, and I think Joe Ingles is part of that. So I, if they have to shell out that much money for him, uh, 
I don't know. That's a lot of money, though. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's a fit. I mean, the Jazz love him. He loves the Jazz. The one wild card in all this is I wonder how much Ingles coming back affects Hayward. Obviously, we know they're really good friends. Yeah, that's true. Um, there was the report that, you know, Hayward preferred Hill to stay. Obviously, the writing's on the wall there. I yeah. wonder how it would affect Hayward if, if Ingles were to leave or if they were to keep Ingles. I think that Hayward would want him to stay, personally, but I don't know. Well, and I would hope that, and I'm fairly certain that this is the case, that, that Gordon has the wherewithal to understand kind of the financial side of it. And, like, with George Hill specifically, I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30. Mm-hmm. He missed 33 games last year. He's not been like a super injury prone guy, but I just don't know how you can pay a George Hill who missed half the season and maybe has some injury concerns, like twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, with that, I think we kind of agree. Joe Ingles may or may not be back. Let's go right into George Hill. Um, I know for me personally, I I really like George Hill. It, it makes me kind of yeah. sad actually to see now fans are really ragging on him. That you know he's just gonna his his stub toe can lead. I don't know people saying stuff like that, and I get it. I get the frustration, especially missing the playoff games. Yeah. But I just think a lot of the criticism is unwarranted. Um, but then again, I'm not I'm not saying it's not a concern. Um, I think the Jazz probably made the right move to get somebody instead of Hill for sure. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Rubio does as well. Well, I, I kind of feel bad for George in this because I, I can't remember where it came out, but someone was talking about when they were in, in extension talks. They were pretty close to that $20 million a year number. Yep. And I don't know if it's a Bill Neff botch job. I mean, he changed agents. But whatever happened, he he's obviously overestimated his market. Yeah. I mean, I think he could really look back at that and regret that it didn't just extend when he had the chance. Yeah, for sure. That's the way things are looking now. I mean, there are all these teams that were supposedly connected with him, like Brooklyn and Philly and Minnesota. Well, all three of them have point guards now. Um, I saw this morning on Twitter that the Spurs maybe not be pursuing him anymore. Looks like it's down to Knicks and Nuggets, and who knows? As we're as we're speaking, this could even change. I yeah, don't know. that's true. Um, but I, I think you know. I even said last week that, or two weeks ago, I guess that I didn't think that Hill would be back, and now even more, I think it's pretty obvious that he's he's gone. <laughs> it's too bad. He's like the prototypical like jazz guy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think the fit was was excellent there. Um, it's kind of a shame to me that we only had him for one year, yeah. uh, but that's just how things are playing out. And a lot of that obviously has to do with Ricky Rubio. Uh, Ryan, what was your reaction yesterday when you found out about the trade? I was glad they were being proactive in getting their point guard and making a better pitch to Gordon. And I think Rubio is, I mean, he's fun to watch, that's for sure. But but really, he like he's a great, he's a high-level distributor and a long defender. Um, that shot, though. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worrisome. Um, I mean, you look at what he did in March last year, and his averages in March were really good, but the rest of the year, I mean, he was under 30% from three for a lot of the year. If the Jazz could get some kind of shot doctor in there, yeah, work on his shot maybe, because last year was the first year he was over 40%. That's crazy. Yeah. He's been in the league six or seven years now. Um, but I, I, I like the move though. Like you look at things like real plus minus and he actually comes out pretty well. And this is for a Timberwolves team that's been pretty bad until recent years. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I mean, I love obviously his assist ability. I mean, you go from someone, George Hill, that was right around four assists per game, uh, to Rubio that's close to 10 assists per game. Um, I think that makes Derek favors better. I think that obviously helps Rudy Gobert. Um, I think there's a lot of positives there. And, you know, one thing people forget is that when George Hill came to Utah, I mean, he was, for his career, he was averaging like 11 points per game. 
Um, and he had a career, he had a season high, or sorry, a career yeah. high in points last year with the Jazz. Maybe Rubio comes in, and this is just what he needs, kind of a revamp. Like yeah. said, shot doctor gets work on him. Maybe he turns out to be awesome for him. I think it's a good system for him. Yeah. I think it's it's gonna. I've heard some negative things about. Mostly, it's been positive. I've heard some negative, but but I think in the end, when he's on the floor and we're seeing how it works, it, it's going to be a thing that Jazz fans like. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is I don't know how true it was about Hayward saying he wanted Hill to stay. I don't know. You hear so many rumors this time of year. Yeah. But then I know that um, it also came out that he was okay with Rubio being a good a good plan B. So I mean, if that's the case, I don't know. Then then I hope that's that's good. Um, yeah. For me, honestly, if, if Hayward stays, I, I'm okay with the trade. Um, if he leaves, and who knows, maybe he would have left regardless if Hill was there or not. But it always just makes you wonder. You kind of think, well, what could they have done different? I don't know. It's true. So, how, how do you feel about this stuff today about Miami? I mean, we all knew like every meeting he would take, there was going to be these reports of, oh, it went so well. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the stuff that Miami? is going to give him a better opportunity to be, like, the offensive focal point. I, I think that's a bunch of bogus, personally. Seriously, like, like Kevin yeah. O'Connor from The Ringer was talking yeah, about Yeah, I saw it, that. Uh-huh. Saying 15.8 shots a game, like, you're not being featured on offense. But, I mean, the Jazz were the slowest-paced team in the league last year. He's shooting as much as LeBron or anyone else, mm-hmm. if, you, if you kind of normalize it for pace. Um, and, and then the whole stuff about a better lifestyle, I mean, to me, the big draw for Miami would be like the no income tax. Yep. <laughs> um, but for a guy that's in his late 20s and has young children, I, I don't know if that's really as big a factor as some people are saying. Yeah, I mean, is that where his wife is going to want to go? Is that where they're going to want to raise the, the daughters? I mean, maybe, but I don't see it personally. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess I'd say from a basketball standpoint, I just... I don't see Miami making sense. I mean, yeah, maybe you get another free agent in there that's going to make them good right away. Obviously, the Eastern Conference looks terrible right now. Yeah. Um, so they could get get good pretty quick, at least in the Eastern Conference. Um, but, I mean, I think Joe Johnson proved last year um, that, you know, free agents are starting to look more at basketball situations than they are at just the place. I think it's possible. I mean, the Jazz have some good things going. Maybe, I mean, we'd love to see it this year, but maybe not this year, but maybe in one year, two years, if Gordon Hayward stays, maybe free agents start looking at how good Utah is and what they're building there, and people want to come there to be in that good basketball situation. Yeah, they have that organization that, that has a great rep. Uh, I think you ask anyone not named Baraja Bell <laughs> about the Jazz organization, and they're only going to tell you good things, and they're they're upgrading the arena and the practice facility and they have Quinn Snyder in place. It's a good spot. The one thing I will say about Miami, mm-hmm. um, Eric Spolstra, I think, is an elite coach. I'll agree with and that. And if you look at the last half of this past season, the Heat were as good as any team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I would still agree with you that of the three teams, the Jazz, the Celtics, and the Heat, it probably makes the least sense as far as winning goes. Yeah. What do you think of Boston? Do you think his, he's really leaning heavily towards them? Do you think the Jazz are still the favorite? What's your take there? I don't know. I I guess with Paul George going to the Thunder, uh-huh. um, there's something to be said for that. On the other hand, he's coming to the Jazz division, and the West just seems to be getting tougher and tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a little worried. I'm still worried that, that that's going to be a spot. Yeah, I mean, I still think Celtics are the biggest threat, bigger than the Heat, in my mind. I could, I guess we could be surprised. Um, but I mean, the one thing about the Celtics is that 
they haven't gotten any better since the end of the regular season. I mean, they missed out on, on Paul George. They missed out on Jimmy Butler. And who knows, maybe those guys weren't as big a targets for him as, as the media likes to make us think. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, Ricky Rubio is not like a huge splash, but it shows the Jazz are being proactive. Um, they're looking to make it a good spot for Hayward, whereas the Celtics have yet to really show them that, hey, we're, we're going to improve for you. Um, I don't know. And if the Jazz are healthy last year, I think you can make a real big argument that they, they finished well ahead of the Celtics as far as their regular season record. And oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the Celtics were like a historically weak one yeah. seed. Oh, definitely. They're, they're a Rondo injury away from losing the first round. They got swept out by the Cavs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that the uh, five games to the Cavs, it was... That's that, right. Yeah, no, you're fine. The one game was so lucky, almost, I'd say, the Avery Bradley winner. Yeah. Um, but it, that just showed how far away they really are from contending. I mean, the fact that they lost in five games to the Cavs, who then lost in five games to the Warriors, I mean, the Celtics are, are far away. And that's not to say the Jazz are, are right there yet. Uh, but they're just as close, if not closer, than the Celtics, I'd I say. I would agree. I would agree. But um, for me, with, with Gordon Hayward, um, I know I said a couple weeks ago on the show that I, I thought he was going to stay. I'm still waffling, to be honest, but I'm going to stick with, with that prediction. I, I think he's going to stay. Um, the fact that he brought up, even though Hill's probably not going to be back anymore anyway, but the fact that report surfaced that he was talking about how he'd prefer Hill to stay, the, the, the way that he's acting like he's still involved with the organization and saying things like that, I think that's a good sign. Um, this is kind of a dumb one, but it was something that I kind of weighed and measured a little bit. I think people are paying way too much attention to, to Gordon Hayward's wife's social media. But oh at the, yeah, but at the same time, with those letters from the middle schoolers, if she knew her husband was was leaning towards going somewhere else, like really leaning towards going somewhere else, would she really post that and say, "Oh, this is so nice," and then rub it in people's face that they're leaving? That would be a troll of yeah. epic proportions. Yeah, exactly. I think that it's more likely that. Um, you know, if if they knew, if she knew he was going somewhere else, um, she would have seen those. And, and instead of posting the picture, just thought, oh, that was a nice gesture, but I don't want to get their hopes up. I don't know. I could be totally off base here. But that was the first thought that came to my yeah. mind. The oh, one man. worry I do have is if he goes to Boston, the Jazz are kind of waiting on this decision. And in the meantime, maybe guys like Gallinari and Rudy Gay and, and, and some of the stopgap guys you can bring in are going to be off the market. Yeah. Um, I don't think in any situation the Jazz are headed for, like, a full-scale rebuild. I mean, they have Snyder, they have Rudy Gobert locked down. But I do worry that if Hayward doesn't make his decision until, like, the middle of next week, yeah, that the Jazz are going to miss out on some other things. Yeah, I agree. And um, tell me your thoughts on this, but I, I really think they need to get a, a power forward. Um, whether they keep favors or not, I think they got to shore up that position. Yeah, and I love Derek Favors. He's Me too. The one Jazz jersey that I actually have paid money to wear currently is Derek Favors, but that IT band, that's rough stuff. My wife deals with that, and that's, I don't know. I just don't know that we're ever going to see the explosive Derek Favors again. Yeah, I agree, and it's, you know, I feel like even if we do find a way financially to bring in a power forward um, and say that Derek Favors is hurt, you know, hopefully it's someone that can start or maybe if Favors is working back and things, he can still be the backup to Rudy Gobert. Like, we have options with Favors because he can play the four or the five. Yeah. But if we bring another power forward, we could still have him be a part of the team. Maybe that doesn't make the most sense financially or strategically, but it's still a possibility. But I don't know. I just really feel like, you know, a power forward or a stretch four type should be in the works. Well, I don't get me wrong. Like, if Derek Favors can get back to some semblance of, of what he was before, that's great. I, yeah. I'm pulling for the guy. I want him to succeed. It just doesn't seem like something you can bank on. Yeah. Um, 
and if that's not going to be the option, then then maybe like uh, an Ilyasova type or Gallinari that we mentioned, he could play as a stretch four. Yeah. But but for sure, I would agree the stretch four. I mean, with Rudy acting as kind of the anchor down low and the role man, having that stretch option, it would it would just do so much for the Jazz offense that I think really hasn't hit its potential yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is probably kind of a pipe dream, but I really, really like James Johnson. <laughs> Me too. I would love it if they went for him. I feel like he kind of fills that Swiss Army Knife type role yeah. uh, for being a four. Obviously, you know, James Johnson could very well be trying to recruit Hayward to, <laughs> to Miami. Um, yeah, yeah I don't know, too. but I would love to see him go for a guy like him. James Johnson would be good. Um, here's something. This this is more kind of a backup situation for Gobert, but maybe you could slide him in as your, your power forward. The whole Nene situation. Yeah, I heard about that this morning. It's kind of interesting. It's crazy. I I would say that Daryl Morey is probably my favorite GM in the league, but uh-huh. just the personnel moves that he's made and the way they've kind of embraced analytics ahead of a lot of the other teams in the league. Um, but isn't that a cra- Is that not like a crazy oversight that you would offer Nene this four-year deal that he's not even eligible to sign under the CBA? Yeah. That's crazy to me that that would happen. Yeah. I think he could be, like I said, I think he'd be a good, nice addition if the Jazz look at him. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where they go there. Yeah. Um, other guys that I, I kind of like, um, not just power forward, but around the league, I was actually really high on Andrew Holiday. Obviously, that one's not going to happen. No. Not only with Rubio, but he also agreed to stay with the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, going back to power forward, I do like the idea of Paul Millsap. I don't think financially it would make sense, or with his age it would make sense. Um, but I do think he would be a cool one to have on board. He'd probably have to get rid of favors yeah, to do that, obviously. Yeah, or do some kind of sign and trade. Yeah, maybe, but. Uh, the logistics there would be tough. Um, I One guy who's kind of underrated, and I think the Bulls are going to bring him back, but I think Cristiano Felicio could end up being pretty good. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that's underrated, I think. Good sort of long-term play. Yeah. And then um, Darren Williams and Kyle Korver, um, I was really gun-ho about them before the finals. I think the finals kind of made everyone a little skeptical oh about them. Um, it's rough. I don't know. If you get them on a bargain, I still think either one of them would be great to have as one of your role guys, one of your glue guys. Yeah, um, they'll come know. in and, and they'll fill a role. I think Williams would be a good backup point guard and play off ball a little bit. He was, like you said, he was terrible in the finals. I yeah. mean, that's the only way to say it. Yeah. He, he was like 2 of 16 shooting and, and just no impact, and that's why they brought him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he still has some good ball left. Yeah, I agree. Um, one other guy, I know if you guys have read any of my articles on Purple and Blues, I've kind of talked about him a couple of times, but I actually really like LaVoy Allen, uh, who the Pacers just yeah. barely uh, declined his option. I mean, he's not going to go out there and blow you away, but he, he really has good jazz DNA. I mean, he hustles like crazy. He's a rebound machine. Um, he needs to either work on his mid-range game or, or just kind of forgo it and focus on, on being better a post player. But I, he's a great locker room guy. I would see no problems there. I actually really like him. Um, bad thing, he's a little bit of a hybrid, four and five. He's kind of a tweener where he's not great at the power forward. He's not quite big enough to be a center. Um, but I, I think he could be a nice get on a cheap contract. Yeah, and that's the thing. With kind of the roster composition as it is, they're they're – looking at like mid-level exception type guys yeah. right now. And, and he would fit that. Yeah. For it, sure. I honestly think he could play alongside um, Rudy Gobert at the four. I mean, Favors has done it, and he's, he's kind of bigger. Um, again, like I said, rebounding machine. He's going to give you hustle. He's going to give you defense. He's not going to complain about whether he's getting benched or not. Yeah. just kind of fits that mold really well. Um, I guess for me, it's, it's really going to come down for free agency. It's going to come down to what Hayward does. I mean, 
we wish we knew right now so the Jazz could start making moves based on what he's going to decide. It would make things a lot easier. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, I guess only time will tell. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though. I mean, depending on what Hayward does, um, we're either going to be looking at free agency as, okay, here's how we can get better and take the next step, or we're going to look at it as, okay, Hayward's gone. How do we fill this void? That's I a mean, big difference. Woj did say on ESPN last night that he thought Utah was the favorite, and the yeah. Jazz have had people with him throughout the off season. So yeah. I, I think that bodes well for us, but who knows? Yeah, I agree. That was really reassuring to hear, especially from Woj, who is like the most reliable source on all that. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Ryan, there's a lot of noise, you know, just so many things popping up. You don't know what to believe. Like but Kyrie Irving stuff. Was, oh, yeah. That came out of left field. Although I guess uh, maybe it was Jody. I'm not. Someone was saying that, that there, there actually was like, a kernel of something to that, but it yeah. just had no traction. And obviously, I don't see Kyrie coming to the Jazz anytime yeah. soon. No legs to that one for sure. Um, anyway, I think we've, we've pretty much covered everything uh, as far as free agency goes. A lot of question marks. Um, you know, hoping that, that Hayward yeah. and, and, and Eagles come back. Um, hope the Jazz can make maybe one or two more big moves to really shore up the team. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, well, thanks, Ryan, so much for joining the show. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Podcast. Ha- yeah, awesome having you on. Make sure everyone listen that you follow us on purpleandblues.com. Um, also, download the Purple and Blues app. Um, if you have any questions for us, be sure to hit us up on Twitter or on the website. Uh, you know, just think by next show, Gordon Hayward will probably make a decision and will either be really happy or, or really angry. So if you like this show, make sure you'll turn in next time. Uh, Until next time, everybody, have a good one.